Podcasting from their dining room table in California, it's the Stonebirds with Dave Stone and Katie Strandberg. Get it? Advice and encouragement from two goofballs who can barely run their own lives. Call now at 562-548-2012 to be a part of the show. Now welcome the Stonebirds. Cecil, you're really doing the head nodding uh-huh. to this I and then shaking your head. It's very a lot of head work you're doing. I got the favor. Yeah. I mean, holy crap. Uh-huh. I broke. I broke. Uh-huh. Is he broke? Well, Black Joe Lewis is broke. Hey. Who? Black Joe Lewis. Is that the song? That's, name, that's the song so called I broke. Uh-huh. I've I've I so broke one time back in the day. <laughs> I ate breakfast every morning at Carl's Jr. Of course, we called it Hardy's. But they had they had two for two dollar on the bacon, egg, and cheese. Okay. And I so broke, I, I paid for the two of them, and I said, keep one, and I come pick it up tomorrow. Because I didn't need two at the time, but it was too good of a deal to pass up. Did they do that? Uh-huh, Did they, they follow through? They hold it for me. They gave me a voucher. <laughs> uh-huh. Like a Monday, I come pay for two, and then Tuesday I need the second one for free because I didn't pay for it. I had to bring my receipt, proof of purchase. But you know, you get them deals at the Hardee's. You, you know, a lot of people can't eat two bacon, egg, and cheese at one time. So you know what's I'm funny, Cecil? Sometimes two of them. I feel like important stories you kind of gloss over, but uh-huh. then you really get detailed on. Uh-huh. Stories that just, you know, is there a bigger philosoph- philosophical reason you're bringing this up? Well, people think there ain't no difference between Hardy to Carl's Jr. Oh, shit. You all right there? I'm sorry, my yes. I'm sorry. For example, bacon, egg, and cheese, if you get a Hardy's, they, they put the bacon on the top. And then out here on the West Coast, or Carl's Jr., they put the bacon on the bottom. So don't, don't try to tell me there's no difference. Anyway, I'm hungry. I'm going to go. It's the last time I get him Starbucks. That is the last time I get him. Every time. That's what it is. Boo. Every time I get Cecil Starbucks. I got it here, bud. He he makes. He puts Crisco like down in the pan instead of olive oil or butter or something. That's just how he does it. Anyway. Wow. So Cecil there. What was he talking about? Bacon and cheese? He's talking about. Like Hardee's and how he had a two for one experience, but one of them he um, wanted the the next day. Yeah, he let him hang on to it for the next day. Is this a one time experience? You seem like this is like a common. He does that with any (laughs) any fast food place because he loves to buy in bulk. That's one of his principles. But uh, he also doesn't want to reheat whatever he gets the next day, so he just asks him if he can come back. And And they let him. 
Uh, I don't know. I think sometimes it's easier to just humor him than yeah. try to debate him. Let it go, Elsa. That's neither here nor there. How about you, Boo? Oh, Boo, I am just living and dreaming and buzzing and a-booing. Yeah, buzzing and a-booing. I don't know what that means, but okay. That sounds like an old Belle Biv DeVoe song. Who's Belle Biv DeVoe? What? Is that William DeVoe's friend or relative? Belle Biv DeVoe. <laughs> BBD. Uh, DeVoe. William DeVoe? DeVoe. You're thinking of Willem DeVoe. This is Belle Biv DeVoe. You don't know Belle Biv DeVoe. Okay, so William DeVoe is... Willem DeVoe is Isn't that William? It's Willem. That's what I keep telling you. No, I know. I think you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You really? You think I'm wrong? I absolutely do, because William DeVoe. I've heard William DeVoe. Why don't you Google William DeVoe and see what you get? You're probably going to get a tax attorney in Kansas City or something. Oh, I will. Oh, What's going on there? Let's go. I'm going to... There's a truck outside. Oh, okay. But I think it's one of those. Have you have you seen? We got a lot of mobile grooming work yeah. on our block. Oh yeah, for sure. Which is kind of awesome. Imagine if they had that for for doctor. Oh. Poison. Oh, I used to. Bell Biv Sing this about a sibling. East Coast family. Yeah, I guess you were a little too young for BBB. No, I do love it because uh, I watched the smash hit movie Sisters starring Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Mm-hmm. And they lip sing to this and it's pretty great. Okay, it is Willem yeah, Dafoe. Yeah, I only said that four times, but that's fine. <laughs> well, you're right. I was being stubborn. Uh-huh. And, you know, I take accountability for that. Thank you, Esther Perel. Yeah. <laughs> Working on some relationship stuff. <laughs> what are you doing? On I don't road? know. I was looking at William Defoe, and he's got some weird and Willem. Willem. Um, he's a good actor. He's 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 weird, but he's good. Well, yeah. Where do I know him from? I mean, he's only been in a thousand movies. I know, but there's like a he, few. He you played know. Jesus Christ mm. in the Last Temptation of Christ, which was. A real hot topic at Woodstock First Baptist Church back in the late 80s. Was it? Oh, yeah. Martin Scorsese movie. Is it good? Um, I've, I saw it a long time ago, but I think the controversy there is they show Jesus uh, laying down with a lady. I think that was the big controversy there. Really? Yeah. Ooh. yeah. But no, Willem Dafoe, he's been in so much. He's in, uh, um, what's the Christian Bale psycho movie? Oh! That's how I know him. American, is it American Psycho? It's American it's Psycho. He's in that. He's in. Uh, I like him Wes in that. Wes Anderson movie. Uh, Steve Zissou. Oh yeah, he's in that. He's in so many things. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hey, yeah. you know, I forget. Show I have some respect to Willem. Well, I'm so- Willem. Willem. Mm-hmm. And we're sure William isn't like his other name. Like sometimes he'll go by William. No, I'm not sure because I don't know him personally. <laughs> All I know is that his stage name. I'm aware. Is I'm aware you don't know him personally. I think that's like a, that sounds like an English thing. Like Willem. It does. This is my son, Willem. This is Willem. Welcome to a share. Is that? No, that's. That's Irish. Irish. Was that good? No. That's all right. I know. I don't have a, I don't have a, what is it? Ear. (laughs) What is it? How about you, Boo? How about you? Let's turn the tables. You yeah. always ask me, how about me? Yeah. Well, how about you? I'm feeling great. You're looking at uh, a fella with perfectly normal blood pressure. Oh. 120 over 70. 
You were very worried about blood pressure. Well, I just assumed, you know, being overweight, that I probably, I just thought those went hand in hand. But uh, Does it? I mean, maybe it does. I should know this. I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I know people have high blood <laughs> pressure that aren't overweight, and that's my point. I think if normal-looking people have high blood pressure, then uh, what's a guy who's 60, 70 pounds, 80 pounds, depending on the month, overweight? And what if Surely your blood pressure can. is super, super high? Mm-hmm. What if that happens? Like, what's worst-case scenario? Heart mm-hmm. attack? Yeah. Well, it's just like in The Whale. We were watching that. I know that's a movie, not a documentary, but mm-hmm. she was taking his blood pressure, and she, she said, "Let's whatever it was, it was 200 something, something insane. Over, She's yeah. like, oh, you're going to have a heart attack literally any second now. So, yeah, it's heart attack, stroke. Strokes those are, are the two big, big things you got to deal with with uh, high blood pressure. Well, yeah. And if you couldn't tell, guys, we went to our general practitioner doctor this week. How much you weigh? That's what she didn't even weigh me. She yeah, my. Just said, How much you weigh? <laughs> yeah, they asked me too. They didn't weigh me. I was very happy about it. Well, it was raining mm-hmm. to their defense. And also, guys, it was more of a. It was a office... scale out in the parking lot? <laughs> it's raining. We can't it wait. It felt like we went into the 90s mm-hmm. in a waiting room that was like a pinkish, like an 80s or 80s or 90s pink. You know, that like peach that was big and modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some modern decor, which of course I loved. A wall hanging calendar, again, loved. But yes, it felt more of a like hanging out situation than I've a nev- doctor. I've never been to a doctor's office that felt like a front. It That's felt exactly like a front. What it felt like. It's like, yeah, we're a doctor's office, but uh, in quotes, you go in the back, and we'll sell you a TV or something. I don't know. It just felt like it felt like um, a set, like a poorly constructed set. It did, and that, and the nurse who was so sweet was like dressed in regular clothes. <laughs> she just had like the doctor thingy, the stethoscope, uh-huh. and then. Yeah, she was asking my name, and I don't know. It was very, like, huh. And did you notice that everybody there, patients, <laughs> uh, desk staff, I don't know if that's the proper proper term, the the ladies working at the desk, Office all the patients, staff, yeah. everybody, everybody had on a mask except the doctor. Yeah. That was a bit odd, don't you think? That was bold. That mm-hmm. was a bold move. I guess she's like, I'm the doctor, I don't... I don't play I by don't. Rules. Well, what I love about her is a and that she's accent, no nonsense. Yeah, that accent's a uh, uh, poor attempt at a Russian accent. I'm pretty sure she was Russian. Oh, she was totally Russian. What I loved about it is that whenever you go to a doctor's office, guys, tips from somebody that went to the doctor's office like every other day with her parents for the past eighty years. Okay, here's the thing about your general doctor: mm-hmm. they're gonna be uncaring mm-hmm. they're gonna just not care about you because they refer you to people that care about you mm-hmm. kind of okay that's covered in your insurance mm-hmm. so she her first uh because i'm i'm pretty good with the doctor game seen a lot of practitioners this is my wheelhouse yeah so i came in i had a picture of my medications and the mm-hmm. doses always got to have that uh-huh. which they're always like really that much and you're like yeah messed up and then she asked, okay, well, what are, what are you in here for? What do you in here for? <laughs> and I was like... What do you want from me? So then it, she put me on the spot, but my knowledge of dad and like everything with doctors, I just said, I want a full blood work. I want to make sure all my blood's good. 
and including hormones for ladies. So I want all my hormonal stuff. I want a boob doctor. I want a badge doctor. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And then she refers me. But it has to come through the mail. And then she said to me after the blood stuff, she's like, you, if something wrong, I call you. I call you bad. And I said, okay, great. So it just goes somewhere and hopefully we're good. So no news is good news. <laughs> What did she say to you? Was she more communicative? She was. She, she was seemed, a hard audience. She was a little friendlier to me. Like I, I got a I cracked a smile out of her. You did. Yeah, I said something that made her smile. I forgot. Oh. Oh, she asked me my weight, and I said too much. Good one, boo. <laughs> That's a good one. Pretty good. And you cracked a smile. Yeah. Was I it got, a laugh? I got a no. It wasn't a laugh, but it was a smirk. I love mm-hmm. a doctor with loafers on and pantyhose. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen. She had a smart pant. Mm -hmm. She had a turtleneck sweater. I'm in. Didn't care about her patients. Perfect. Looked like her hairdo, she looked like she was wearing like an 80s hair metal band wig. She had like Bon Jovi hair. She did. She had Def Leppard hair. And I think she was chewing gum (laughs) when she came to see me at least. And she just kind of had slumped over. She went to the wheelie chair that, you know, mechanics use. Mm -hmm. And then she's at her mouse and, like, I think Dell computer. I don't understand why doctor's offices have, like, like, like IBM. Like, just those old computers yeah. that you're, like, not on Mac because yeah. I'm such an idiot. I'm sure they're better maybe, or but the, they're just. The monitor's not even a flat screen. <laughs> it's just a cube. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just paperwork. And then you have to go through, like, do you have any diseases in your family? Yeah. And it's, like, hold, please. Excel worksheet. All right. We got depression. We got diabetes. One, two, cancer. Like it was, she was just like, oh. She asked me if I was on any medication. And when I said no, she like double took. She's like, she looked back at me like, you're not on any medication. And I was like, no. That's amazing. Yeah, she, I it think is she was crazy like, that you aren't like, on how's anything. how's your fat ass not on medication? None. Yeah, no, I'm not on any meds. You know that. What what, 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 what I take? I take, uh. I think, uh, are you going into... <laughs> I think of the fish oil. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't really even like supplements that much. Yeah. Interesting. No, I don't take anything. This is all natural, baby. Yeah. <laughs> when you did your, uh, the vegan uh-huh. three months, right? Yeah, three, 90 days. three months, yeah. Uh, Raw vegan smoothies. Uh, they for, did a documentary. Yeah, for context, back in 2014... I got cast in a documentary, feature-length documentary, that was supposed to be on Netflix uh, that yep. uh, never went anywhere. It's and, on IMDb. And they it still, is. And they still owe me money, by the way. But uh, the premise was just uh, like a chubby comedian tries to get healthy. How hard is it to eat healthy on the road, you know, as a touring comedian? And uh, they put me on a 90-day raw vegan smoothie diet. And I lost, uh, what did I lose? 56 pounds? I think I lost 56 pounds in 90 days. And uh, Was that the skinniest you've ever been? As an adult, uh, yeah, since high school probably. Okay. Yeah. No, maybe when I first was a cop I was a little thinner, but yeah. Yeah, I got down to like, uh, I think I got down to 202 or something. Whoa. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've been that close to the ones. That's amazing. But, uh, yeah, gained it all back. Hey, that's okay. Yeah, because it was just, it was an impossible day. I was eating literally like four or 500 calories a day. How do you all keep I was that doing, up though, you know? Exactly. So all literally all I was doing was 
drinking three or four uh, raw vegan smoothies a day, just kale and cucumber and very little fruit either, just for the sugar. But just, just and, like, I, and I did the math. Like one of those smoothies, if I don't put any fruit in it, if you're just having a bunch of kale and celery and carrots and cucumber and whatnot, I mean, a whole smoothie, like a big, like 20, 25 ounce thing is like 50, 60, 70 calories. I remember. And I just have just... like three or four or five of those a day and that's it. Like every now and then, like every third or fourth day, I'd I'd cheat and uh, sneak a little sushi. I'd get a little sushi, and I thought, well, that's probably the best just fish whole food that I could eat as far as calories. But yeah, but for the most part, it was just well, I still have PTSD on that kale. How did you get protein? I know you said sushi maybe once a week, but yeah. like, did they give you supplements or something? No, the. They told me uh, broccoli, like they were like, you're not going to get a ton of protein, but you'll get some protein if you eat certain veggies. Like hmm. I, I think broccoli had a lot of, relatively speaking, a lot of protein for a veggie. But yeah, I wasn't getting a ton of protein. Hmm. Oh, yeah. How did we get started talking about that? Oh, the doctor. Yeah, the doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, so she just, you cracked a smile, and then did she say anything else? Um, No, she just. Tried to give you medicine? Yeah. Yeah, she tried to get me on this uh, some medicines like appetite suppressant. Or Excuse something. me. Yeah. <laughs> she tried to and just I, give that to you. Yeah, and I was like, oh. nah. I was like, I, I was like, if I'm being honest, I haven't really committed to fitness and health the way I should. So let me at least spend a few months really trying to do it on my own. And next time I come see you, if I haven't got any better, maybe I'll consider that med. But. I, I, I don't like the idea of being dependent on meds if I don't necessarily need them. Yeah. No, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Is that the um, just the Dave Stone way? Mm-hmm. Or do you think, was that like a Southern culture thing, like medication? I'm sure there's a little there's... bit of that. Rub some dirt on it and walk it off. Okay. But, uh, but no, like it just, and I'm being honest with myself. It's like, now if I've spent the last two years eating right exercising really committed to my health and fitness and and gained very little progress then yeah i might look to some outside help or some medication but like i i know that i haven't done that so why just immediately start there no that's a great compromise i'm just interested too i think i was really raised i think california especially southern california which is a different beast in itself Mm -hmm. There's so much weight stuff, especially being in an all-gal family. Like, weight was always a thing. Uh, Judy would, like, I think we had eating disorders growing up. (laughs) Wait a minute. But, like, yeah, my mom would go on cleanses or Atkins or whatever the, like, the thing was. And I just thought all the time growing up, like, Oh, and medications were so normal. Mm-hmm. But maybe because mom had a tumor and yeah. Susie had cancer and I just was around. Yeah, it's interesting. Like around hospitals and stuff, I'm zen. I'm yeah. like, I know how to do it. Put me in the coach. I know how to waste time. Like nobody's business. I know what to ask. I Someone should utilize me for this. <laughs> well, and the thing with the meds too, and I, I have no uh, knowledge to base this on. I just think uh, instinctually, I just assume that any prescription med mm-hmm. has probably got some negative side effects. 100%. So it's like, okay, you're going to give me this med to suppress my appetite, but what's that doing to my liver, or my or kidneys, heart. or my heart, you know? 
Yeah. So if it was just something like completely natural, like, oh, take this supplement or this herb or whatever, sure, I'm all for that. But like a highly processed prescription med, there's got to be some drawbacks to it. Okay, interesting. And that's based on nothing. I'm just assuming. No, I think you're correct. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a and don't doctors. I mean, we watched that one side effects movie, but don't most doctors get a kickback from certain? Oh, and that's the other thing. Yeah, the medical and, industry with like pill popping. Yeah, and I don't know this. This is based on zero knowledge. But yeah, I just you would assume that maybe not all doctors and not all meds, but. There's got to be some incentive for certain doctors to prescribe certain meds, whether yeah. it be kickbacks, commissions, what have you. Yeah. There's just, there, I just, there's got to be some. God, I'm on so many. I'm on so many. Let me count. One, but all two, yours are three, four. Brain related, correct? Brain, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. not on any like medical meds, like something no. for your heart, something for your whatever. Yeah. 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 No. You know, medical meds. I know. It is medical. Mm-hmm. The brain is an organ like anything else, children. Mm-hmm. That's my doctor voice. But yeah, so they took blood work on both of us and uh, still waiting to hear back from that. But oh, okay. She so said, she if said she, no news is good. No, yeah. She okay. <laughs> she, we're not going to hear probably, I, which made me a little nervous. I assumed, just like I assumed I probably had blood, high blood pressure, I assumed I probably have high cholesterol. I assumed I'm probably... At best, pre-diabetic. So those were the things I was nervous and curious about. But so far, so good. Oh. I was I was happy to hear about the blood pressure. So that's good. Yeah, she I even did. took it twice because she didn't she believe did. it the first time. <laughs> She's like, it's normal. Let's try again. Let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that if you look at both of us, mm-hmm. you would think, hey, uh... That girl maybe has it together, kind of, but usually not because I'm in sweats <laughs> and my hair looks like that, a founding father, and I'm kind of just lost a lot. Lately, I've been getting a lot of people telling me, like, are you okay? Really? Yeah. Just is that strangers? my face? <laughs> I know. I'm like, I keep saying, like, that happened twice last week. Like, are you okay emotionally or are you okay physically? or It feels worrisome. Ma'am, do you need to sit down? Should well, I call someone? It was in, okay, first one was in our parking lot mm-hmm. where um, Fumba, our new property owner, mm-hmm. was there with three other people that I didn't know. And I was throwing away something, and I just said, hello, guys. And Pumba goes, are you okay? He's not Irish. Meaning what? And I, he looked concerned, and I was like, yeah. All right, have a good day, and I just kept walking. That is a hell of a question to ask someone. Are you okay? Someone that you but, don't even very know very well. Um, I do think English is a second language. Yeah, with Fumba. so I don't think yeah. it was anything. Yeah, they're. Uh, I'm not reading him into and his it. son. They're African. I don't know if they're Nigerian or, or right. what, but you know, they have a, an African accent. Yes, as if you know, maybe English is not their first language. Yes. So, yeah, maybe maybe that's what it was. Maybe. Didn't mean for it to come out that blunt, but like to just, are you okay? Yeah, I, and then I also went to the candle store, (laughs) the candle store. I love how I just make things my own world. And the lady helping me, by the way, yes, candles are my thing. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. But uh, she came up to me and was like, miss, are you okay? (laughs) And I was looking at the candles. Hmm. So my face. I think looks puzzled a lot. See, I get the opposite. Just like yesterday, we went to 
breakfast together at Mel's Diner. Ooh. And our very nice server <laughs> twice said to me, I like your energy. Yeah, he loved you. People <laughs> he, love he you. He fist bumped me. Yeah. And just said, I like your energy. And then he said something like, you, you say the right thing, all you the right always, things. You always, you say all the right things. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know what? He does. Like, what do you mean? Like steak and eggs, <laughs> medium rare with no. hash browns? You were a nice person. That's all I had said. We looked him point. in the eye as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that he said both of our energies because okay. I'm selfish. Right on, right on. But I do bring a, a nervous, anxious energy, mm-hmm. I think, a lot of the time. And I, well, and you're I a, balance that out, I guess. You're a silent restaurateur, mm-hmm. which makes me nervous. What do you mean? Well, well I'm not a restaurateur, by the way. Well, you know. I don't oh. own the restaurant. <laughs> a restaurant goer? A food? Sure, whatever. patron? Customer? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're very, like, when you go in, it's it's with an agenda. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not there to play games. I'm but, there to get down. So I guess that's my thing. Our disconnect is this. I enjoy a nice conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to talk. I want to. I want it to be like a Seinfeld in the diner. You I'm know what I mean? I'm not here to chit-chat. I got a job to do. Well, yeah, but that's why I don't like going out to lunch mm-hmm. a lot because I, I want to talk to you. Yeah. And I feel like I have to talk like this uh-huh. because I talk so loud because mm-hmm. my voice is crazy loud. And then I just feel like muffled. And then I kind of choke in conversation because you're eating or paying attention to the menu or doing what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. at a restaurant. And I'm like, so any movies lately? Like, I know you. <laughs> well, part of that is you never <laughs> order enough food. I got steak and eggs and you got oatmeal. Well, I'm a fast eater, though. Mm, that's true. Boy, you are a fast eater. I'm a fast eater. You eat so fast. What's that about, boo? Well, that's just, I have other stuff to do. Like, you were like, I have a thing to do. This is my thing. And then I'm like, okay, I'm at Mel's. But, like, I'm going to go across the street. H&M is having a sale. Okay, maybe we could go get, you know, I'm thinking of the stuff we can do. So let me get this food in my face and get going. You eat like you've spent half your life in prison. It does. It's worrisome. Like someone's about to take it from you. <laughs> a few times I have been nervous about choking. Our buddy That's Gilbert's sure. that way. I love that. Gilbert eats faster than you do. Gilbert. Gilbert eats so damn fast that on more than one occasion, he has started to choke. And this happens so frequently to him that he has devised a method where he will literally manually grab his throat and like manually squeeze and push the food down his throat from the outside oh my god yeah okay i don't do that gilbert eats like a bomb's about to go off if he doesn't finish this now what is the psychology behind that because obviously me and gilbert share this Mm -hmm. i wonder what it is no, I was joking, but like people who've been in prison or something like that, that's a thing. Maybe if you've been in the armed forces, you know, hey, you got five minutes to eat, you know, you got five minutes to shower, in and out, get it going. But uh, to my knowledge, you nor Gilbert have <laughs> been in prison or the armed services, armed forces. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't and know. Gilbert's where the... been raised Southern all life. Gilbert was born in Iraq, and okay. then. Uh, I think when he was about five or six, his whole family moved to Warm Springs, Georgia, which is like middle southern Georgia, middle of nowhere. Uh, Actually, uh, weird connection. Uh, My mom spent six months in Warm Springs, Georgia after she got hurt Hmm. in a motorcycle accident because they have a big like um, physical therapy type rehab center down there. Oh. And she was actually there at the same time as uh, infamous Alabama Governor George Wallace. He what got, was his deal? He got shot 
and uh, was in a wheelchair. And oh. uh, he went there for a few months for rehab, and she uh, she met him and hung out with him some. He's a very polarizing figure in Southern politics. Ooh. Yeah. And your mom, like, hung out with him? Yeah, she, I mean, like, he was just a <laughs> patient. Just yeah, patients. they would just hang out at the <laughs> shuffleboard court or wherever. I don't know. Nancy must have been the belle of the ball at that place. <laughs> I can only imagine her young. Oh, guys, Dave's mom and my mother-in-law is just a ball of sunshine. And. Speaking of which. Is coming out to we're, California. We're bringing her out. Yep. Bringing her out for a visit in May. Mother's She's Day gonna week. She's going to be here about six days. Yep. Uh, during Mother's Day. Yeah. And Nancy will be staying at a uh, facility that isn't full of stairs, which is our apartment. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unfortunately, our apartment isn't. Is it handicapped? I mean, obviously no, with the stairs. No, it's clearly not handicapped. It's <laughs> There's no elevator. There's stairs. That's true. But, but I, mean, I, the... I still think we can get her up here at least once. Okay, good. I've got a technique I do where, you know, you pull her from her chair backwards okay up the stairs so i think we can get up here at least once to hang out and have some dinner but uh yeah you you, you got her set up in a nice room uh literally two blocks away yeah um should we say sure sunset tower which is real close to us it's and i always looked at it as like oh the big tower near the dog park but like it just oh it looks like a queen would stay there, which is what Nancy is. And so, yeah, those little bee words over there that work there are going to treat her like a queen, and I will make sure of it. Yeah. Also, there's like a fun lounge we could go to, yeah. and she has a fun couch, Ugh. and it's supposed to be super clean. Yeah. So she will be happy, happy, happy. Yeah. And yeah. this will be her first real time in Los Angeles. Uh, she's, she, she came to the wedding. Mm-hmm. So that was the first and only time she had been to California. So she flew into LAX. I went and picked her up. But then we just drove directly to Long Beach, where we were living at the time, and then on to Palm Springs the same day. So she hasn't really experienced L.A. at all other than the airport. So, um, yeah, and she hasn't. And that trip during the wedding was the first time she'd ever been to the West Coast. Prior to that, the furthest west she'd ever been was probably to my brother's wedding in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Okay. So that's the furthest west wow. she had been prior to our wedding. Um, but like I said, she really didn't get to experience L.A. at all that trip. So, yeah, she'll spend about six days right here in West Hollywood, and we're going to do some real touristy sightseeing stuff. I'm so excited. Okay, so what are we going to do? Like, I – because you know me. I want to go to Pamperville. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking – massages and and nails and you know eyebrows but mm-hmm. then i feel like i don't know how your mama works she's probably not going to be down for a massage oh right simply because she's a uh, paraplegic but not even like shoulders and yeah Maybe. i get that my dad didn't like that, that yeah. stuff too okay i know she's not into a pedicure because she's self-conscious yeah. about her feet yeah. you know being paralyzed from the waist down but uh i think you could talk her into a manicure Okay. Maybe. Uh, but will she enjoy it or she'll feel like I'm taking her to lunch? You know what I mean? Like, I she likes a lunch. You guys like lunch. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take her. Uh, we're going to have some good meals. All right. Well, what's the rule, though? How many barbecue meals are you allowed to? I mean, she'll be here six days, so I think we got to get more than one in, right? Sure. But I, I just want to. Definitely go to Moosecraft. Okay. You want to introduce her to all your friends. Yeah. Hey, Nancy, want to come <laughs> with me? The uh, local dispensary knows me very well. 
So maybe that, that would that's be great. We should, uh, <gasps> Do you think? We might be able to talk her into it. She is in California. This it's woman, legal. my entire life, never had a drink of alcohol. Now she she admits to drinking when she was younger, mm-hmm. uh, but I think her and her dad, her and my dad, both stopped alcohol at the same time in 1980 because that's when they got really into church, and I was three years old. So uh, she probably had a few drinks prior to that. But from me being 30, or me being three to the time I was 44, the time we got married, uh, zero alcohol according to her, yet we did talk her into a margarita at the wedding. Oh, yeah. She was, oh, one margarita Nancy. Yeah. So we might be able to, you know, talk her into, you know, I don't know, jazz cigarette or two. Who knows? Oh, I would love that. I wonder if there's an outdoor space at the... I think they got a rooftop bar, don't they? Oh, yeah, 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 they do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're just going to be there every day. Like, (laughs) ah, Nancy, let's just stay here. Come on. But yes, yeah, so I definitely uh, got to take her to a couple of nice restaurants. Yes. What else should we do for her? We got to take her to the ocean. Maybe we'll go out to Malibu or Santa Monica. I think that's perfect. I also want to say something. Mm-hmm. Now, Hamburger Mary's, I've yeah. always wanted to go there. Yeah, it's right down the road. It's a drag queen mm-hmm. bar, guys, where they have the greatest brunch, apparently, mm-hmm. and drag shows. Mm-hmm. They also have drag bingo. Mm-hmm. Would that be too much for Nance? Who knows? Maybe she not. might love it, she but you know, I don't know. Is it a once a day hangout type of thing? Like I could go just too much, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to read people at times. Yeah, well, she is seventy three, sure, and in a wheelchair, so right. we probably can't go too intense. So one big thing a day. One one thing a day, and then a hangout at night, and then a hangout at the hotel bar at night. Because she's like a night owl. Yeah, she's kind of a night. That's I mean, not crazy, crazy but a little bit, yeah. Like, what time does she go to bed? Probably later than like me. 10, 30, 11, something like that. Yeah, it's late. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we are so excited. It's yeah. going to be so much fun. But yeah, other than barbecue and the ocean, um, I don't know where else we should. I mean, there's got to be someplace. Well, we were talking about Hollywood tours. Mm-hmm. We were going to get a map and try to find, like, Celebrity oh, yeah. houses. Yeah, I think she would enjoy that. We should find the Golden Girls house. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's in Palm Springs. Is it? Yeah, that is in Palm Springs. Isn't it? Hmm. We'll think. Mm-hmm. We'll think. But yeah, that's why I have to know. Will she? Does she want to go to Grauman's Chinese Theater? Does she want to do like Hollywood Hollywood? Does she want to go, you know? Man, we missed uh, the Greek theater by two days. Uh, two days after she leaves, Dwight Yoakam's playing the Greek. Oh, my god. And she likes Dwight Yoakam. So that would have oh. been fun. Oh, that would have been Take fun. Her to a nice outdoor amphitheater type show. Shoot. That would have been cool. Maybe a show. We should take her to do a show. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll think of it. We'll figure it out. But we'll yeah. Think of it. I'm, I'm excited for her. Me I'm, ex- too. I'm, excited. I'm excited to have her out here, but also I'm excited for her. Just that's one thing I regret about, uh, you know, my dad passing. He never went west of St. Louis. Really? His whole life, 75 years, never had a reason or a chance or an opportunity. To go out west, I would have loved to bring him out here. Did did we talk about the uh, little daydream I had on tour? No. About I, I didn't tell you about this. That last tour I did in December, I uh, spent so much time driving around the Southwest, um, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, and uh, so it was a great cool. tour. But for whatever reason, I'd never had this thought before. But while I was driving around and, and doing that run. I couldn't help but think, like, oh, how cool would it be if Dad were here with me playing, like, tour manager? 
He would have loved that. He would have been so good. He would have loved just riding shotgun, you know, handling all the, the logistics and the details, checking us into the hotels and collecting my money after the show. And I don't know. I just had this little daydream about how cool would it be if Dad was here with me. I love and, that. And I, I miss... And he'd be so good at it. Yeah. Oh, he would have been great at it. And I just... Uh, I feel like I missed an opportunity while he was alive to bring him out here. So I'm glad that we're at least getting uh, mom to come out here. He would have loved California. Like, yeah, he would. What do you think would be his favorite part of California? Probably just the uh, the mountains, the scenery. Yeah, I think so yeah, too. He would, he would enjoy like just uh, just road tripping around California or anywhere on the West Coast. What about the beach? I don't think Don Stone was too big into the beach, but I'm sure he would have uh, appreciated a visit or two to the ocean. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I regret, like, that was one of my things, you know, being in your 20s and 30s and, you know, being an adult and being on your own. I always had these fantasies of, like, just spoiling the hell out of them. Mm. I always had this fantasy of one day just driving up in a truck. And he always wanted, like, a, um, he liked uh, Nissans and Toyotas. Was a Nissan Frontier. He liked the smaller Nissan truck, and I always had this daydream of like just showing up to their house one day in a new Nissan Frontier, and him that being is and so him coming cute. out and being like, "Oh, you got you a new truck," mm-hmm. and me being like, "Nope," handing him the keys. Got you mm-hmm. a new truck. I always that's one regret I have. I was never able to financially really able to spoil him or anything like that. But uh, that would have always been nice. So, yeah, I don't know why it hit me on that last run. Just it was, I was taking so many back roads. Usually, when I tour, you know, it's as you know, it's usually most mostly freeway, interstate stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, just the way this tour was routed, I took a lot of back roads, like through New Mexico and Colorado, and it was just so beautiful. And I don't know. I just kept thinking, like, oh man, would it be cool if Dad was here? And he he was a great like taskmaster, mas- taskmaster. Like if you gave him. You know, a job to do or a task to do, he would see it to the end. And just being retired and always like wanting something to do, I was like, boy, he he would have been a great tour manager. Wow, he would have been awesome. Yeah. And he's so kind and just lovely. Like, I will never forget just how at ease and kind he was to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't know me from Adam. I'm this nightmare girl that's ruined your life for over ten years. <laughs> But he was just so kind and and vulnerable. He showed me pictures of him. I think he was in Germany. Yeah, he was spent, he in? Spent three years in Germany. Okay. In the, yeah, in and he showed me those pictures. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is amazing that he didn't go to the West Coast, mm-hmm. but he did go overseas. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. He when he was in Germany, he was in Hamburg, and he used to go see the Beatles before they were the Beatles. What? He would go see the Beatles when they were just a local bar band in Hamburg, Germany. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean they were they were kind of big, but they weren't like they hadn't come over here yet. It was that would have been like 62, 63. I think they came over to the US 64, 65, something like that. But uh, yeah, he used to talk about seeing the Beatles just at a bar. Wow. Yeah. Did yeah. he like hang out with them? Like no, know him? I, no, or, I don't okay. think he knew him. It's just him and his Army buddies were always going out to bars and going out. He, he was a big music guy. They would go out and see bands. And he's like, oh, yeah, I used to watch the Beatles when 50 people were there to see them. So was he always playing music in your house? Uh, yeah, a lot of time. Mom, too. They both. That's where I got my love of music. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they both big music fans. Like a radio station or their specific stuff? Uh, both. Yeah. 
radio, okay. CDs, whatever. Yeah, I remember one of my first memories ever was being like little, like couldn't even walk yet, just crawling around the floor and looking at their record collection. We had this entertainment center that had like all these shelves and stuff, yeah. and then the TV was here and the stereo was there. Well, the very bottom part was just an open like bookshelf type thing, and that's where they kept their records. They probably had maybe 100, 150 records. And I remember just couldn't even walk. I would just crawl around on the floor, and because it was eye level, I'd go up to the record collection and pull them out and chew on them and oh, smell them. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Did they freak out? They you... didn't care. They, they weren't like collectors like oh, I am. Okay. They didn't care about the condition. But yeah, that was one of my first memories. Even when you were little, uh-huh. you were a record uh-huh. person. Uh-huh. That is so cute. <laughs> what kind of music did your dad like? Uh, he was big in the country, but when he was younger, he you know he grew up. Um, he was big into the Beatles, big into Elvis, big into a lot of that Sun Record stuff. Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, Roy Orbison. You took me but, there. Uh, I yeah, saw. Yeah, yeah, we I there. saw. But uh, yeah, mostly uh, country, like classic country and. 80s country and stuff like that oh my gosh 90s country we really bonded on reba yeah yeah. we really did yeah and one thing about you and him y'all having that uh you you told the story before about uh having coffee with him my favorite moment of life yes um and dad was never he was always involved and interested in what i was going on but when it came to uh relationships he never butted in. He never told me his opinions on this girlfriend or that girlfriend or whatever. Just, you know, always let me do my thing. But uh, every time I talked to him after that visit, he would always say, how's Katie doing? He would A, he would always Aww. ask about you. And B, he would never just come out and say it, but he was always hinting. Like, it was always implied, like, when are you going to marry that girl? Like, he, he always made mention of something. Like, so Aww. what's... Uh, well, you know, where, where's this headed? Or, you know, or, and he would, oh, I don't want to tell you. How. I remember one time he was like, I don't tell you how to live your life, but I'd hang on to her. Aww. He said that multiple times. Or I'd hang on to her. Or, I wouldn't let her get away or something like that. Like, what are you doing, dummy? You need to marry that one. <laughs> so he was a big fan of old Katie. Oh, that's so sweet. I was, oh, equally. I've never walked into a home that first Christmas I met your family I remember just feeling like love and open and funny and laughter and like what people are talking and hanging like it wasn't scary at all. It was just welcoming. Yeah. And just it made me feel like, oh, right. This is uh, people that like people. (laughs) (laughs) Not that my mom and dad didn't like people. It's just it was such a different type of it felt very like open door your house mm-hmm. like people would just kind of pop by yeah yeah like the, it was a pop by house yeah it was a, it was a drop in pop yeah. in yeah did you have a lot of pop ins coming up growing uh, up not where we lived well when i was little yes because we lived in a, a neighborhood we lived in a subdivision oh, right. yes. so we always had neighbors and church friends just dropping by and whatever some so and so brought banana bread or so and so brought over a casserole which is was that mom's friends or dad's too? Uh, both, yeah. The, wow. the only friends they had really to speak of when I was a kid were church friends. They were heavily involved in the church. So, uh, But then the house you saw him at, that's where they uh, he retired. He spent the last three years of his life there. And that's I didn't grow up there. I don't I didn't know anything about that town or, the, or that area. That was but, such uh, a that, cool house. That was in Worthen, Georgia, uh, mm-hmm. right next to... Um, 
It's, uh, what's the name? Sandersville, right next to Sandersville, Georgia. The world's smallest uh, jail? What was it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the, <laughs> I was the, or so the cute. First, the first jail in Georgia. Yeah. Like oh, it was so adorable. But even there, they had joined a church, the little local church, and they befriended a bunch of people real quick. So he, they always had friends stopping by there, too. And he had a garden. He was always working on his garden. He had this church friend, this older guy, that would stop by and help him. They'd work in the garden and do all kinds of stuff. That's one thing I'm... We're going down a road here with with pops, but uh, no, I want to. Can we continue talking about that's that one, one thing? I'm him. so happy he worked so hard his whole life, never had any extra money. You know, mom being in a wheelchair, him trying to, you know, feed two kids and take care of a disabled wife. You know, on one income, um, you know, I never did without, but there were definitely lean times, and uh, I'm so happy that. At the end of his life, they moved to South Georgia, so basically he could retire. Mm. So they moved down there, and their mortgage was a third of what it was where I grew up. So that enabled him to stop working. He, The last job he had, he was working remotely from home for um, a CSAC, a music publishing company. And, his, and he loved that job. His job wow. was to call bars and live music venues and stuff and, and uh, collect CSAC uh royalty fees and stuff like that and he liked that oh he loved doing that why um, did he like it you think he just he liked being even remotely connected to the music business you know so he was he a musician I no he, did he play anything no he, he he wanted to he just didn't have any talent but when he was younger i've told this story when he was in his 20s after he got out of the army uh he spent all of his 20s in nashville he lived in nashville and he was friends with a lot of musicians and mm. i told the story about him he yeah. was friends with elvis's guitar player scotty yeah. moore they were not best friends, but like he would hang out at Scotty Moore's apartment quite often. And one night they were hanging out, and uh, Elvis was in town recording something across town. And Scotty Moore was like, "Yeah, I think Elvis is going to swing by in a little bit." And Dad tells the story of like him and his buddies, like just, oh. just like, just like little kids, just gleefully excited, like, "Oh God, Elvis might stop by." And he said the whole night they were just sitting there drinking beer, hanging out, and just like, "Oh." Elvis might stop, and he never did. But he was like, oh, I just kept thinking at any moment Elvis might come through the door and hang out with us. That is but, uh, so awesome. But yeah, that was cool that he knew Scotty Moore, Elvis's guitar. I can't remember if he was a drummer or guitar player. It was one guy, Fontaine or Fontana, and then there was Scotty Moore. I forget which is what. It was basically just a three-piece band at that time. But yeah, to answer your question, he, he was never like in the music business, but he wanted to be a songwriter. He wanted to be a radio DJ. He wanted to do all these things, and it just never quite panned out for him. But that's why I think he liked that gig at the end of his life, working for uh, CSAC. He he felt somewhat connected to the music business. But anyway, my that's point is, so fun. He financially times were always lean until the last three years of his life. He was able to move, get a smaller mortgage, smaller house, and you know they weren't rolling in it, but they were fairly financially stress free those last three years. So I'm so thankful that he got to experience that of like oh the bills are paid i'm not worried too much about money i can just play in my garden hang out with my wife and just just relax and i'm so glad he did have that me too he was just a delight i remember his garden that thing was bomb yeah he's proud of his garden oh my gosh i want to get into gardening yeah Feels like a lot of patience, though, and I might kill things. Well, we gotta be able to. We gotta own some land, or at least have access to a little plot of land. First. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do kinda a garden. Kind of hard to have a garden <laughs> in an apartment. Doors. 
<laughs> I mean, people do it. It's true. <laughs> we grow pot in our bathroom or something. Oh, that'd be fun. But yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I went down memory lane there with pops. I have a question though yes. before we we move on. Mm-hmm. Would Don like West Hollywood? I mean, he, he would have no reason to dislike it. I mean, it's probably... Would it make him uncomfortable? It probably wouldn't be his cup of tea, per se. And, and not it. like the gay stuff. He was very... I mean, he was conservative and he was Christian, but he, I never heard him complain about, you know, gay folks or anything. He wasn't one of those, like, gay folks. Like, you know, he was pretty open-minded as yeah. as much as a, a guy from his generation in his area could be. Well, I'd like to correct my question. Mm-hmm. Would was he a city person? Did he like did he like the sparkle and busyness of a city? Not really. Okay. No. no. Okay. I mean, he never like sought out I mean, going. he lived in Nashville. I think he lived like downtown Nashville in his 20s, but uh I think probably once he got into his 40s and 50s and beyond, he was more of a, a country guy. That's I mean, so... he grew up in the country and then spent his 20s in the city. But, yeah, he never talked about having any desire to, like, move to Atlanta or right. back to Nashville or anything like that. Oh, he's just <laughs> – I just – he would be so proud of you, by the way. Like, your album coming uh, out. Ah. And can you imagine – like, what would he say? Oh, well, he'd be he'd be real excited about it. Yeah, that's I told you, awesome. I told you I had a dream about that the other day, right? No. I had a dream that I was sitting in – the house I grew up in, and Dad was there, and he was asking me about my album, and it was oh so. Oh my God! It was so, and this is weird. This is the really weird part. It was a couple weeks ago when I was uh, sick and I was in bed all day, and it was just one of those like fever naps or whatever. Uh-huh. But it was the middle of the day, and I was it was deep into a nap, and I was dreaming about having a t- talk with Dad about the album. He was asking me about the album and all this stuff, and then I got woken up by my phone ringing. And the phone was the um, the record label guy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's weird, right? That's crazy. Woke, I'm talking about my new record in a dream, and then I get woken up by a phone call, and it's the record label guy. Here's what we're going to do right now, Boo. Mm-hmm. I am going to look up what that means. You know they have dream interpretations, right? Right? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so childhood home, and then what else? Dead father. Childhood on I mean, talking. this is a pretty specific one. I don't no, know. they have such specific ones. Oh, my gosh. One time I looked up. Oh, I won't tell you. It's gross. Childhood. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty bad. But they have. Oh, oh, dreaming of a dead father. Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. Is that rude? Yeah. Are no. you hard? That's no. harsh to what? say. Oh, um, 15 spiritual meanings. Let's go here. This is a very amazing <laughs> website called Basalt Spiritual. Okay. I don't know what that means, but yeah. I believe them. Dream about deceased father talking. There are two meanings to your dream. Do you want to hear? Sure. Okay, cool. First is a sign of bad luck. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> either oh, either you're going to fall sick or you're in danger. So you were sick. I was sick, yeah. Yeah. Uh, your father is trying to warn you about an upcoming threat. This feels... The second dream meaning is your poor decision power. Oh, no. Thanks for looking that up. No, no, no. He's back. Okay. When your deceased father comes back to life in a dream, it represents the arrival of good times. There we go. Yep. There it is. (laughs) There it is. Uh, Let's go with that one. You know, uh, seeing your late father happy in a dream is a sign of good luck. It means that joyful events and changes in your career are on the way. Well, he was happy in the dream. 
He was oh. excited about the record. Oh my gosh. Thanks, Don. <laughs> Did you wake up? I've had dreams about Sue's. I haven't had dreams about Oh yeah, I have. I've have dreams about mom and dad. Um did you wake up sad? I woke up annoyed that my good dream was now over. I hate it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're always interrupted with those dreams. Yeah. Bad dreams will go on uh-huh. forever. Yeah. And then meanwhile, good dreams just get Harvey Har- Harvey's calm down aggressive. There, He's aggr- oh, they have been so aggressively needing affection lately. I have to rub my face on the microphone. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Put me on TV. No, don't. it's not TV, Harvey. Meanwhile, Charlie is draped over me. But you had something you wanted to get to today. Uh, <gasps> what's this relationship resume? Oh, my gosh, yes. You sent me uh, a note about? I did. I did. It's right here. Okay. Is so, that what oh, it sounds like? Sh- I don't want to go through my entire relationship history. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. It's not that. Okay, so Esther Perel, mm-hmm. guys, is um, no big deal, but I'm a student. I don't know if you know this, mm-hmm. of the Masterclass series. You're very studious. <laughs> the Masterclass is that website mm-hmm. that Christina Aguilera promotes a lot, and you can learn from the best, mm-hmm. and it's like $100 a year. Anyway, my subscription is running out. So I'm trying to learn as much as I can. <laughs> oh, I got a free password to the uh, barbecue masterclass. Uh, Aaron Frank. Shut up. Yeah, my buddy Craig hooked me up. Oh, that's yeah. dope. Yeah. Okay, so she was on that, and she talks about relationships. Now, um, I'm going to go through this real quick, but also I just want to let everyone know that I love relationships and I love self-help. So you're welcome. Okay, so. Uh, Esther Perel, she's this badass TED Talk lady, Mm -hmm. but she like goes to corporations, Forbes 500 companies, and basically talks about your work relationships. But uh, we can't, her belief is that you can't separate work relationships and home. You cannot. And family. She believes that it's all in your head as a tree like you have different branches okay but it's all connected to you right mm-hmm. so no matter what you go to work your relationship blueprint is from the way you grew up the way you took in the world so to find out basically to figure out your work life and like how you get along with others you have to go back my friend to your roots and you have to figure out the resume of how you grew up so the wording is different, mm-hmm. but it's pretty much – it's corporate wording to mm-hmm. make sense of, like, self-help stuff. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. We all bring a, rela- a relationship resume to work. Yeah, guys. Okay. So Meaning what? Okay. So you bring all your baggage. Like, mm-hmm. say you have a new relationship. Like, you bring all that relationship baggage into it, right? Okay. Unless you've dealt with it and moved on. But we all bring our stuff wherever we go. Wherever you go, there you are is basically what it is. So I have some questions for you. Okay. And this is building your relational resume. And guys, follow along. Hey, if you want to pause and write this down for free journal writing, do it. (laughs) I think a lot of free journal writing people. Okay, here we go. Your family history, we have to begin because Uh we have to understand how you grew up. Okay. Were your parents, one or both, born abroad? Zero. Neither. None. Okay. Now, were your grandparents born abroad? One or both? Neither. Great-grandparents born abroad? No idea. 
Really? I don't know anything about my great-grandparents. Okay, so this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to know uh, whenever your family members, you know, if mm-hmm. they came from a different country, mm-hmm. your history, ge- genetics-wise, is going to be super important <coughs> to know for your future mental health huh. because we carry trauma in our bodies. Okay. So basically you have to, oh, my, you know, dad or my great-great-grandfather was in a traumatic, abusive home growing up. Mm-hmm. That trauma is going to carry on. Yeah. So Carry on to further generations? Yes. Really? Yes. So when How's you, that work? It's real. I promise you it's scientific. Mm-hmm. It's in my ADHD. This isn't her stuff. But yeah, no, that's real. That's okay. real. I promise you it's real. And... I could be wrong. Let's just say that because mm-hmm. I've been known to be dead wrong. Okay. So you have to learn your history in that way. Okay. So yeah, travel back and ask questions. Mm-hmm. If you still have your grandparents or great grandparents alive, like, hey, where, what was your childhood like? Like, what was your mom and dad like? Like, how did they, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you, I loved asking my dad and mom those questions, especially towards the end because older people love talking about themselves mm-hmm. and their life. Yeah. As well as they should. Mm-hmm. And young people need to be listening <laughs> to those older people and not judging mm-hmm. and not tuning out, but learning. Yes. And giving that space to them. I think that's fair. But anyway, so I found out that, for example, my dad, when he would talk about his childhood or when I actually got observant and not so just, oh, dad's talking eye roll. Yeah. Uh, Oh, his mom was real, like Nana. My Nana was the greatest Nana of life. Mm -hmm. To my dad, she was very hard, very hard with her, uh, with my dad and my Aunt Joni. And so I would kind of gleam on to things, but basically verbally abusive and was just kind of like, get out at 18. Hmm. And, but my Nana most giving grandmother ever yeah. best man ever and, and i'm not saying my dad did the exact same thing but that blueprint is how he grew up yeah so it's like that is ingrained in you and that's what i mean by relationship history or that's what esther well, brought that makes sense because you've mentioned that your father was pro- arguably a better grandfather to his grandsons than he was a father to his daughters is that yeah. is that fair to say yeah mm-hmm. and i think my nana What's what's the opposite of misogynist? What is somebody that doesn't like men? Uh, Good question. I love how I know misogyny mm-hmm. so much, but I don't know. Anyway, my Nana. Mr. Sogyny. Good one. Yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. That was really good. That was really stupid. I liked it. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because we grow up, and even though you're like, I'll never be like my mom and dad. Well, dude, imagine growing up like you didn't have a job from nine to five from the ages of zero to whenever you started preschool or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you were groomed in a way in your household like Mm -hmm. these were your coworkers. Okay, dad's dad's the president. (laughs) Mom's the secretary. Mm -hmm. Uh, Susie is, you know, Mm -hmm. the assistant. Whatever it was, we make these like relationships and then we take that to school, we take that to college, we take that to our work. Hmm. So understanding 
how it all began. Not that everyone's coming from traumatic places, but even understanding your parents on a different level of like, they're human. Mm -hmm. These people are human and we're all vital, volatile, 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 volatile. And we all have like so many amazing minds. But imagine your parents as what age you are now. Yeah. And imagine how they lived and how hard. That, my my mom was on her third kid. She had me at 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad had two companies. He had a farm. Like the, what I think of what they accomplished mm-hmm. is insane. Yeah. Granted, everything's different. The world is a different place. Mm-hmm. But they were go-getters, and that generation has a lot of good. I think we're very good. um, At least I've noticed I become like, whatever. It's all about the new generation. But it's we have to know. We have to look back Mm -hmm. to move forward. True. You know, we have to. uh, And and same with life. Like, you don't. I remember in my 20s, I would just quit jobs, quit jobs, because I would get so anxious. I never asked why. Why do I do this? Well, the job's stupid. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. You were, you thought you sucked and didn't want to feel trapped and blah, blah, blah. I know my psychology of that. But, you know, it's not the job's fault. Where Again, where you, where uh, my blueprint of growing up was be scared of the boss. Oh, God, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. What do I do to fix it? Okay, I'll be really funny and cute. Oh my gosh, I don't have a memory and I don't know how to communicate that. Like there's so many things that we bring up, bring in to our work Mm -hmm. life. And that's what Esther Perel talks about. So that's the beginning of the relational resume. Interesting. So guys, just ask questions. Really, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what she's saying. Mm -hmm. Were relationships viewed as central or peripheral in your family? Central. Now, how how do you take that? Well, there was just a high priority put, a high, uh, you know, a high value put on personal relationships. There was. Yeah. So not being alone and financially stable on your own, it was personal relationships were first? Like that was your, if you had to... Well, no, that's not what I meant by it. I just meant that both my parents were very good at articulating the importance of family. Yeah. Like, hey, we're all one little group. We watch out for each other. We spend time together. We care about each other. And that takes priority over most everything up to a certain age, you know. Like when I became a teenager, I I started having more independence and freedom, you know, via a a driver's license and other friend groups and stuff. I, You know, I think that's pretty natural. You just kind of drift a little further away from your family. Oh, of course. Those first 15 years or so, we were pretty tight-knit. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Like, you care about people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What <laughs> was the metaphorical door of your childhood home typically open or closed? To myself or to others? To others. And to yourself. There's two. I think, it, I think everything was always fairly open. And how do you take that? Like, you were just... I, I always felt comfortable and, you know, I felt at liberty to talk to my parents either together or individually about whatever I wanted to talk about. I never, I mean, for the most part, I never talked sex stuff or anything like that, but. Oh my God, I did. Outside of sexual stuff, I was, I felt comfortable and safe to talk about just about anything. 
Really? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. How would you describe the way your parents related to each other? They seemed pretty open and happy. Yeah. My my parents, you know, I, I definitely saw them argue. I never saw any line crossing. I never saw violence. I never saw verbal abuse. You know, my dad never talked down to my mom. I mean, they'd get in arguments and yell at each other here and there, but usually all that was always related to just everyday stress, like money and things of that nature. But no, uh, they definitely spoke to each other with love and respect, and I don't ever remember any lines being crossed as a child. Yeah. And their elders, how did, uh, there's two more questions here. How would you describe the way your parents relate to each other, their elders, and their community? Yeah, they were, they were pretty, my dad didn't have many elders to speak of. You know, his, both his parents died way before I was born. He had Mm. no relationship, had almost no relationship with his mom and very little relationship with his dad. Uh, They were, I talked about. You know, when he was seven years old, he was an orphan. Yeah. And he was homeless, living on the street, literally living on the sidewalk in Detroit for like three weeks until he uh, caught a ride with somebody down to Tennessee, ran away and, and lived with his aunt. And his aunt is who raised him from the time he was like seven till 17, till he joined the army. Wow. But, uh, so, yeah, dad didn't have any elders to speak of, but, and he was, you know, he had his in laws. Oh, like, boy. And they had their issues, but uh, overall, you know, I think he had a pretty healthy relationship with them. Well, that brings me to my next question. How about your grandparents? How did they relate to each other, their elders and authorities around them and the community? That's a whole different story. Really? Yeah. Like I said, I had no grandparents on my dad's side. Sure. I had both grandparents on my mom's side. And, uh, yeah, that's a whole story. I got I got mixed feelings about my, my grandmother. She was fine. But my grandfather, I've got a complex history with him okay yeah so choose to pause on that and keep no, going i mean i just okay. don't know i don't know where to begin yeah just, i get it we were never tight i was the he had four grandsons i was clearly the least favorite you were yeah i think so oh he, god he favored the others why um i don't know um and now you know that's a weird thing once you grow up and become an adult yourself you start to I don't know if see the flaws is the right term, but you you start to notice things about your parents or grandparents or whomever that maybe you didn't have the um, emotional IQ Mm -hmm. to comprehend as a child. But uh, yeah, when did you put it this way? Me and my grandfather probably wouldn't be super tight. Really? Just philosophically disagreed on a lot of things. What was his? Was he real like southerny? Yeah, he was. Narrow-minded, southern narrow-minded, okay. blowhard, know-it-all. Ooh, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just yeah. being honest. Was he, among, among other things? When did you realize that? Like, do you remember that shift? Like, at what age you were like, "Wait a minute, Probably, this is wrong. She shouldn't talk like this yeah. about somebody." Or early teens. I was early like, teens. I was like, okay. "Boy, that's, I wouldn't have told that joke, Granddaddy." Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's just, and that's kind of sad too. But like. Yeah, and like I said, this is a whole other story, but like, it's kind of depressing when you sniff out the bullshit on people that are supposed to be, yeah, you know, hold a high reverence in your life. Yeah, your family. I, I, I mean. sniffed, I sniffed out my grandfather's bullshit pretty early. 
And he probably knew that about you. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. That's and probably. that's why that mm-hmm. that was a lot of my, and I'm sorry, but I love you, dad. But that was a lot of my dad. Like, mm-hmm. I would always be like, what? I would always stop him from yelling at my mama. I would always, you know, I would be like, okay, to be devil's advocate. Like, and it almost felt like I was feeding. The, it, it almost felt like he was trying to um, get a reaction out of me. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, okay, this is a game now. Yeah. And it was like, no. This yeah. was me trying to help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm not trying to, to shit on my grandfather, but um, it's a weird realization for a young man. I looked at my dad, and I thought, that's the kind of dude I'd like to be. Hmm. And I looked at my grandfather as a cautionary tale. Interesting. Like, I don't want to be like that. Were you real quiet around him? Like, not so talkative? Yeah, not as about, much. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... Coming out of childhood, were you more in need of connection and protection or freedom and individuality? Coming out of childhood? Uh Uh-huh. Definitely freedom and individuality. Interesting. Okay. Like I said, you know, growing up in such a tight-knit family that that there were some, there was some turbulence when Dave started to want to go off and do his own thing. What did that look like? Just, uh, I remember constantly, not constantly, but very frequently just having butting heads with parent my parents like you know oh, you're not yourself or you're never around or and it's like yeah i've spent the first 15 years attached to you guys i'm ready to go spend time with my friends or go do things i want to do or you know and i think that's natural but they they didn't take that super well in terms of like do you not like us anymore you you're growing apart. Like, no, it's nothing to do with y'all. It's just, yeah, I'm a 16 year old boy with a car and a girlfriend and things to do. And, yeah, you know, I, I, I want to go experience life through my own eyes. Did you ever feel a tether when you were learning that? Like, going out and did you ever feel like guilty or a sense of guilt? Like, oh, I should be home hanging sometimes. out? Sometimes. Okay. Yeah, sometimes. Interesting. Um, Okay, so how did those needs during that time influence the choices you made? Which needs again? Have it... uh, coming out of childhood, uh-huh. were you in need of connection and protection? That was me. Uh-huh. Or uh, being freedom uh-huh. and... Uh, sorry. But what was the question, the original question you just asked? Oh, uh, how did those needs influence the choices you made? I mean, most of the time I would choose to go spend time with my friends or whatever away from my family. And it wasn't wasn't so much that I was tired or annoyed by them. It's just like, oh, I've never had this access to freedom. Let me exercise that a little bit. And that probably felt good. Yeah, it felt great. Felt like, felt oh, my great. gosh, I'm an adult. But I think and they I... took it personally, like, oh, you don't like being with us anymore or whatever. Now, one thing I did deal with a lot, the, the biggest issue I had with both my parents uh, and I think I've talked about this, but when I was a teenager, I I was popular. I had fr- a lot of friends. I had girlfriends. I was always playing sports. And everybody I hung out with, for the most part, was partying and drinking. Drinking mm-hmm. beer, smoking pot, all that. And for whatever reason, I just decided, and it wasn't like a religious thing, and it wasn't like a straight-edge thing. I just, as I remember as a teenager being like, I'm going to stay away from that stuff as long as I can. I never, I didn't, I told you that I didn't drink a drop of alcohol till I was 25 years old. I didn't smoke a joint till I was 25 years old. So wow. all my high school years, but neither one of my parents believed me. 
They were just like, there's no way you could be running with this circle of friends and not be doing what they're doing. And I was like, I don't know how many fucking times I got to tell you, but my dad used to smell my breath when I'd come home late. No. And I'd be like, how about a little bit of trust? I know it's unfathomable that a 16-year-old boy who runs with you know the popular crew or the, or the jocks or whatever, I know it's, it's hard to believe that I'm not drinking and smoking and doing it, but I'm not. I was doing other stuff. You know, my issues lied elsewhere. Having sex with old my, ladies. My rebellion. <laughs> I sowed my oats other ways. I love how that's not what came up, though. Like, listen, guys, exactly. if you knew, though, exactly. I'm, you know. Yeah. But, uh, it's getting released and I used, somehow. And I used to just get so pissed. Like, what do you want me to do? I'll take a drug test. I'll take a breathalyzer. No, for the thousandth time, no, I'm not smoking pot. No, I'm not getting drunk on the weekends. And that, that caused trouble because I was just like. You were continuously yeah. telling the truth, but and they didn't believe yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. And I, based on what? Like, you've got to have more evidence than the crew I'm running with does those things. Wow. Like, based on what? You, you never found drugs in my pocket. You never, I never came home stumbling, smelling like booze. Cut me some fucking slack. Give me the benefit of the doubt. And, yeah, that caused a lot of issues. But, I bet that did. I bet yeah. it caused a lot of fights. That would mm-hmm. make me mad. Yeah. I remember the one of the biggest fights we ever got into. Uh, me and my mom. How old were you? 16, 17. I used to wear, I had this outfit that I wore a lot. And to me, it was a preppy looking outfit. Like when I'd wear it, I felt like kind of a dork. But it was my version of like, look, I'm tr- I'm, I'm trying. I'm putting forth an effort. I remember I had this, I would wear like uh, khaki cargo pants. Just khaki colored like cargo pants. And Timberland boots. Oh, cool. And then I just had this t-shirt from like, what was the Gap's competitor back in the day? American Eagle? Was that a thing? A&E, yes. A&E. A&E, yes. I had this like heather gray t-shirt with an American flag on it. (laughs) And mom, during a fight one time, she's like, you look like a punk. Oh You dress like a thug or something. And I was like, I didn't say this, but I was like, are you out of your fucking mind wow i'm wearing khakis and an american flag t-shirt and this is your ammo this is the dark american eagle like you think you think i look like a punk or a thug are you out of your mind and and then if she's being honest she didn't think that but it was for whatever reason this is this is the insult she threw at me at the time we were probably like you always said it's not about what it's about yeah but i just remember being like oh you're insane if, yeah. if you think I look like a crust punk, you know, I didn't have on a sleeve. I wasn't going to school in a sleeveless Misfits t-shirt yeah. and, you know, piercings in my nose. I had on khaki pants and an American flag t-shirt, and she, she threw that line at me in a fight, and I just lost my shit. I was just like, I can't remember what I said, but it's basically like, you're absolutely insane. Wow. If this is what you think the problem is. Like, wow. try harder, Mom. Pick something else, because... You got zero case in this argument. If you think I look like a punk because I'm wearing an American Eagle, American flag shirt, and khakis. That's insane. Like, I feel like a fucking dork. And you're saying that I look like shit? Wow. Yeah, that, oh, I remember that pissed me off so much. <laughs> I don't know why that came. No, I get up. it. Um, okay, where are you raised to value autonomy over loyalty or vice versa? Autonomy meaning... Um, keep in mind that everyone contains both values to varying degrees. 
Uh, autonomy. Autonomy, literally meaning. I forgot the definition of autonomy. Uh, Just uh, by yourself without assistance. Yeah. Hmm. Or or loyalty. Hmm. And there's two follow-up questions. Maybe this will shed some light Uh on it. What were some of the messages, experiences, values, attitudes, and beliefs that supported this orientation? Has this orientation ever changed for you? So, but the original question was autonomy versus what? Over loyalty. Well, those are two different things. I know. Well, she's, uh, you know, I should look that up. All right, let me skip that one. All right. All right, sorry. All right. What expectations do you bring into new relationships? And this can, with colleagues, Mm -hmm. this is with all relationships. I think I've always been this way, and it's a pretty simple, straightforward approach. But in any relationship, the golden rule. Just, I want to be treated how I treat people. Right. You know? And whenever I feel like there's an imbalance, that's when it makes me question the nature of a certain relationship. Do you let that person know? Like, do you give them, like, a three strikes rule? Like, hey, I'm feeling this. You know what I mean? Is that a thing that's happened? I'm, I'm not good at that's, <laughs> that's Okay, that's we're... some emotional stuff. Okay. No, no, I'm saying I'm, I'm not good at, like, expressing that to the other person. I just, I have these expectations and these standards. Oh, okay. And if they're not met, I have a, you know... I won't go into it, but, you know, I'm dealing with that right now with another friend of, like, you know, is this worth bringing up that, like, you're not up to my state? I wouldn't do this shit to you, so why are you doing this shit to me? Yeah. I have a hard time, like, articulating that without... That's a boy thing, though. spiraling into something more severe. Okay. Does that make sense? I understand. No, it totally makes sense, Uh and I'm tracking with you. Because a lot of that's connected to... I'm a big believer of pick your battles. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to... You know, bring a grievance to the table every single time there's a little bitty thing. But sometimes I'm bad at the other end of it of like, okay, at what point, how many times do I got to put up with the same little faux pas that pisses me off before I bring it up? Right. You know? Right. Interesting. Well, this goes to the next question. How has your approach to relationships changed over the years? So maybe you're not as harsh. Maybe, but also, this sounds pessimistic, but in general, relationships aren't as necessary for me now as maybe they were 20, 30 years ago because, and this isn't necessarily an original thought, although I didn't, you know, this is something I concocted, but like, I'd rather have a few great friends than a lot of average friends. You know, I've always talked about keeping your circle small. Yeah. So, like, I don't have the need. I've got you. I've got three or four solid bro friends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have no relationship with my brother. You know, that's yeah. another story. I finally mended a relationship with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't – there's not a uh, – but there's a, there's there, not a need or a deficiency in that area, so I don't I'm not really looking for new relationships or friendships. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is the story? This is we have three more. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, this is a good one for everybody listening as well. 
What is the story you've told one too many times about yourself? Either in like... Oh, I mean, that could be dozens. But I mean, like, <laughs> is there a narrative? Meaning, like, this is a story you said way one too many times about yourself. Like, so that means internally. Like, um, how I'm like, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm an mm-hmm. idiot all the time. I'm an idiot. You say it enough, you start believing it. Is there a story um, I kept bringing up dead dad mm-hmm. on Christmas? Remember, and you and Rebecca were like, uh, can't, not everybody gets that joke, but I was, that was the story I was retelling myself all year. All right, I'm allowed, uh, my dad died on Christmas. I'm allowed to do whatever I'm allowed to, you know, that's the story. And I would just share it with everybody. I think you could answer that question about me easier than I could. I might be too close to it. You think so? I mean, you don't tell a story to yourself or out loud a lot where you're like, like, I think I you're, beat myself up a lot yeah. like, about my weight and my health and stuff. Like, come What's on. that story, though? Do you say it out loud? Not really. It's just internally. Like, come on, dude. Get your shit together. But are, is it more of a beating yourself up? And then I guess they're asking, like, do you bring that into other relationships or... I mean, I don't think so. Yeah, what I don't do you think, think? I, I don't think. Do I, I have a narrative? Like I, a great example with you about, you know, your dead dad, because that's still fresh. That's still something you deal with every day. You think about every day. And where I'm fortunately a little further removed from my similar trauma, you know, my dad's been dead almost five years. So it's it's not as front and center in my psyche as, as yours is. Okay. But what would my version of that be? I think it is when you, and you do this a lot unknowingly, and I'm just thinking of it now, which is you make fun of yourself about your weight a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And it's, and it's, yes, it's funny at times, but it's like, it's you beating yourself up Uh in jest. Yeah. And I know as a comic, you're going to do that, Uh but, and look, but it's something, it's, it's that stinking thinking that... Okay, yeah, even though you're doing that as a joke, mm-hmm. it's still like, oh. Yeah. And so I guess the rewiring of that story would be like, okay, this is where I am now, and I'm going to continue to get stronger and yeah. figure out my way of health. Yeah. And even point. just turning that language, and it feels so robotic and weird because I have to be like, I am grateful for a hairbrush, like every morning, <laughs> because it's like, what am I grateful for <laughs> and not what I'm upset about? But that you have to retune the story that you tell yourself every uh-huh. day, which is a part of your narrative. I think every day, yeah. I think you think about that a lot, yeah. and and I understand. I think about my anxiety as because well, I see it every time I look in the mirror. Yeah, you know, so, I right, feel my anxiety every you're day. O- you're overweight, dude. There you are again, every day. You're mm. overweight. What are you gonna do about it today? And some days I do something about it and I feel good, but then yeah. the days that I don't, I'm like, what the fuck you doing, man? Yeah, do better. But Dr. Julie would say, what's the point of beating the fuck out of yourself? Yeah. There's no reason. You're just giving yourself an excuse to not do something. Well, I think I do it as a reminder to try to do something. Interesting. Like, look, you're still fat. Hmm. Change that. You know. Okay. Hmm. Let's sit with that. What is the story that you tell yourself that you'd like to let go? What's something that just is on your mind a lot that you just want to say, okay, I'm letting it go. Mine is all that probate stuff. Uh-huh. I had to let go of that emotionally. I'm still going through all the stuff I have to go through. Mm-hmm. But huh. 
if you can, you know, sit on it. You don't have to have answers, yeah. but it's interesting it's to be question. like, oh, we have stories in our head that we tell each like every day. Mm-hmm. Every day we tell a story. Every day. Every day. We're just, oh, I have to go to work. I hate my job. I'm the worst. Blah, blah, blah. And then those narratives is how we start living our life, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is an amazing question. What is a story, you guys, you would like to let go of? This is what I want to know from everybody. So I would love an answer. I would love people to call in and give me answers. And, like, also, guys, like, what is the story? What's the narrative of your life? And and ask questions if you want any relationship, family stuff, advice. Listen, mm-hmm. weirdly, I am very good. <laughs> and if not, I can point you to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it helps me. This is all selfish. I want you guys to help me. You know. Be less selfish. By the way, we haven't solicited for calls in a while, but uh, we do want to get back to that. So, yeah, feel free to call anytime with an answer to that question or any other question or comment or what have you. Uh, 562-548-2012. 562-548-2012. 24-7. Leave a message. So, yeah, what is the story you'd like to let go of? Well, I guess the one we were just talking about. I would like to let go of the, um, you know, hey, you're fat. I'd like for that the causation of that to go away. Like I'd like to change my fitness and health and therefore, you know, for that reason, but also so I can stop beating myself up so much about it. So the story you'd like to let go of is? I need to get in better shape. Okay, so that's not the story. Uh, the story that you need to let go of is beating yourself up about weight, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And so then you say, I will not beat myself up around weight, right? Yeah. Like. Or I will. If you say I will, weirdly, you guys, that one word will, it makes you want to do it. Mm-hmm. It makes you, I think, 90% of the time, I will blank. Mm-hmm. And don't say I will murder people. That's not one. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Okay, last one. And here we go. If you could break up with a part of yourself, what part would that be? Man. And these I know. I know these questions. ones. I know. Aren't they tough? They're emotional what do you mean, what tough. part? Okay. Um, I'd like to break up with my belly. I'd like to break up with my belly? Is that literal? Okay. <laughs> I would like to break up with my narratives that I create out of boredom. That's mine. I'm pro- I would like to break up with, uh, I think I'm too judgmental of people. And not just for the sake of boredom or, or passing judgment, but li- like I said before, I have... Something as simple as road rage, all right? Yeah. That's a microcosm for something bigger in that I have certain standards, you know, the golden rule. Yeah. But like, okay, I wouldn't operate a vehicle that way, so fuck that guy for doing it. Right. I wouldn't turn without signaling, so fuck that guy for turning without signaling. Like, well, not every, you know, even though I still believe in that, like, well, you know, I everybody thinks that their way is the right way. But I, th- I I would like to be a little, don't sweat the small stuff. I need to not worry about little things like that. Right, that like. Like, who gives a fuck that? Well, those are like baby triggers, yeah, right? Yeah. Those are little landmines in your day where you're yeah. like, okay. But saying to yourself, I won't do that. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're going to get pissed if somebody does a stupid move. Yeah. But instead of viewing it as judgmental. Well, you're, of course, you were a cop. You care about people's safety mm-hmm. and you care about others. It's a caring yeah. situation, but it's just the output of it is 
aggressive. Well, yeah, yeah, it's aggressive, the output. And just in general, just I get annoyed when people don't do the right thing. Something as simple as... But what makes you decide what the right thing is? Well, a lot of it's just common sense. Something simple as when I when I'm at a (laughs) when I'm in my car at the grocery store and I'm about to. He's getting revved up, guys. (laughs) He's getting revved up. And when I see somebody not return their shopping cart, Mm -hmm. it's like it doesn't affect me. I'm able to get my car and drive away without that shopping cart, you know, crashing into me or whatever. But it's just like, what are you doing, asshole? Return your shopping cart. I just get annoyed when, as a group, society doesn't do the little, the easy things that are also the right things. I'm not asking you to go back in time and erase all your mistakes or, you know, end world hunger. But if everybody metaphorically returned their shopping cart and used a turn signal, I feel like the world would be a better place. And I get annoyed when I see people who choose not to do those simple, easy things. And what I do, and this is, I think this is important, is I will create stories of why that happened. Uh-huh. Okay, that person's probably having a really, really bad day. I've been that person where I try, I just didn't even have enough time to breathe, mm-hmm. so I just left my shopping cart there. Yeah. And or, see, I never think of that. I just, and this is wrong, but I just think, oh, there's a shithead. Right. You're just a shitty person. But it doesn't, it's not right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just the way we were raised, yeah. right? Like, you were very much like, this is the right way, this is mm-hmm. the wrong way. And I was always cleaning up a dad mess. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, this is why, you know, this, and I give people way too much credit sometimes mm-hmm. to my detriment. So it's a very similar, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Feels similar, but I don't know. Well, and I think maybe my justification for that train of thought is so much of the world, so many of the decisions that we make are gray and are complicated yeah. and are complex. So why not at least do the easy shit? It's okay. easy to use a turn signal. It's easy to return your shopping cart. It's easy to say thank you and please. So, like, the easy shit, why, aren't, why not just do that? And then, yes, then we can talk about the more complicated, complex shit. But something, the basic, easy, common courtesy and common sense, I have almost no patience for people who choose to do it the wrong way. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Even when it doesn't affect me at all. That's something I acknowledge, like... What is it? What is it? Your business? What, that doesn't affect you, but it's still just like when it's when I see it, I can't help but be like, ugh, fuck well, that guy. In a way, the right and wrong thing, like traffic, is a great example because mm-hmm. that's true. There is a very clear yeah. right and wrong. There is a very clear: you stop at a red light, mm-hmm. you go at a green. But it is interesting that that's where you get upset, but you don't do that in the life way. Mm-hmm. Like, meaning, like, emotionally, really. Like, you've been a lot better, like, emotionally regulating. And, you know, you give people the gray. Yeah. But if that story and if that is kind of your, oh, if this is how I act in traffic, what else? Yeah. Is this how you act here? Is this how you act here? And so that's why I think these questions are important. Well, and I, in my defense, I have gotten better on how I act. Like, when I see someone who doesn't return their cart... I don't roll down the window and cuss them out. Okay, did you used to? No, no. But I, you know, when I there was when there was an opportunity, I still okay. That's an example of me not doing it. But I still will roll my window down and yell at somebody for not using a signal or something. But my point is, I may not react at all or as bad as I used to. Yeah. But I still, it's the feeling I have when I see someone don't return their car- cart. 
even if I don't say anything about it, or even if I don't say anything verbally out loud to myself, it's still those thoughts of, fuck that guy. Well, it's also your uh, either, is it your dopamine or adrenaline rush? There's something that I, like, that's why I'm starting to like cleaning, because mm-hmm. it's like immediately, it's like, oh, look, clean. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, look, I bought something from Amazon. Oh, look, like we all look for those little dings. Yeah. And so that's probably one of them for you. Yeah. Like your heart starts getting mad. You you release something. Yeah. So it really is just figuring out, oh, okay, and, and understanding yourself. doesn't make you weird. Mm-hmm. doesn't make you broken. It just is, okay, these are the ABCs of me. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then you learn more or grow more or not. Go to 19 rehabs and ignore people. I'm kidding. I'm not sad. Okay. But yeah, boo, that was your relationship resume. Well, how about that? I know. Um, Yeah. But guys, you can call us about anything. We know nothing, but we can try, right? We're here for you. We're here for you. We love you. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Wait, is this? Oh, wait. Are we going? How long are we? Are well, we done? It's just probably time to oh, wrap Oh, I'm it sorry. Up. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't do my word word of mouth. Anything, no, you, boo. Do, do you have one? I do not. Uh, well, I just love Natasha Leon. Uh-huh. Lyon. I still don't know if it's Leone or Leon. Man, Poker Face was a great start. Yeah. I'm a little... It's kind of tapered. It's tapered, but we love... I still love her. Still She's love great, her. but the... The stories aren't as great. Well, because she's not in it as much in the beginning. Yeah. I don't want to give away stuff. That's just the formula. Yeah, that's yeah. just the formula of it. But, like, she's so likable and yeah. lovely. Like, I want to see her in every scene. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a neurodivergent. She used to be a heroin addict. Uh, she's an old soul. I would really suggest, if you're a neurodivergent person like me, uh, just listen to her recent interviews on podcasts and stuff. It's really helpful because it makes you feel less alone. That's my word of mouth. Oh, good for you, boo. Thank you. Right on. Yeah, I don't think I have any word of mouth this week. Um, but we got a plug. We have a big, big plug coming up. We're going to be plugging this for what? a while, my friend. A pack of lunch. Oh, we already plugged that. We're going to plug it every week. Okay. So go ahead and share. <laughs> well, I don't have any dates to, to share yet. Okay, so, so Dave has a special that's amazing. Hopefully the YouTube special April. Okay. And then after that, uh, you'll be able to get this, the same material, but in uh, vinyl record form. Woo! A double LP. Okay. And there might even be uh, fun merch, like uh, maybe a lunchbox. Oh, you guys. So, oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. It's yeah. going to be dope, as the kids say. Yeah, as the kids say. Okay. Reiterate the phone number. People can call. Reiterate it? Reiterate it. <laughs> Is that it? Reiterate? Uh, yeah. Just I don't know. Repeat? Me. Uh, phone number to call 562-548-2012. In that order. That's right. You got to put them in that order. Or it doesn't work. If you mix up the order, you're going to get somebody else. It's not going to work. And we can't help you. So, uh, but yeah. What what was the specific question you asked earlier? Okay. Calling an answer. What is the story about you Mm -hmm. that you would like to let go? There you go. What is the story of you that you tell yourself that you want to let go? That's a good question. That's deep. Get deep, deep, guys. Get deep with it. Ugh, go on a walk and think. Okay. Boo, where can we find you on social media? KT Low Strandberg. It's at KT Low Strandberg. The letter K, the letter T, you know. And then, uh, and where can we find you? I don't know. Dave's still coming. <laughs> well, I love it. Everyone, thank you guys for listening. I love you, Boo. I love you too, Boo. Okay, we love you. Bye. <laughs>
Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Stonebergs podcast. If you enjoyed it, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a few seconds to rate and review it on iTunes. And if you don't listen to it on iTunes but still want to help out, simply tell a friend, as word of mouth is so important. Follow us on Instagram, at The Stonebergs Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at The Stonebergs. And lastly, give us a call 24-7 and leave a voicemail at 562-548-2012. That's 562-548-2012. Thanks for listening. Thank you.